0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Networth Podcast, where today we're going to talk all things WTA and handicaps some tennis. Joining us today from the other side of the United States, and I'm specific about that for just a, a little bit of a reason, just a light bit of foreshadowing spread. <laughs> How was your long afternoon hanging out with the folks at SBR? Did you have a lot of fun?
1: Yeah, we had a great time. I wasn't on the right side of the games, but we definitely had a lively chat today and uh, a good group of people hanging out, so it was definitely a good time.
0: For those that don't know, make sure you follow Spread, and I'm sure he tweets out on his account. I know I saw it a couple times, but him and a few folks at Sportsbook Review um, actually live broadcast during a lot of games, and they did both of the football games today. Are you on tomorrow?
1: Yep, we'll do tomorrow and the National Championship game on Monday night.
0: That's three straight days to Spread, folks. Not only do you get to hear his sultry tones, you get to see his beautiful face. (laughs) Did you have the Ostapenko picture up today?
1: No, I've been going in the other room. I'm going to set this room up. Uh, I have the Ostapenko on in my study but i was in my tv room today so i'll get that going though i think that i do
0: better when panko's behind me well the reason i mentioned the other side of the united states is because for the first time ever we have our first guest from australia from i think not quite the exact opposite side of the world but certainly the other side of the world ace previews otherwise known as our good buddy steve how's it going man an absolute pleasure i think spread what have we asked him maybe half a dozen times
1: Yeah, I mean, this is and this is so awesome, Uh, really a fountain of knowledge and someone that we've kind of leaned on uh, when we didn't necessarily have good reads on certain players or their development or
0: even court conditions. So I'm so happy to have Steve on absolutely for those of you that don't i'm sure you should be following him at ace underscore previews he runs a great service that sends previews of a handful of tennis matches every day um, so you can get a good feel of not only what bets make sense but um, a nice way of kind of fleshing out the handicap and i know he has some pretty cool hats is there any chance people are going to get to buy those hats steve
2: uh i don't know about buy but i might
0: spread you got to see these hats they have like the electric blue tennis ball on them they look great oh i can't wait still waiting for my, my polo shirt but we'll advance from that so steve maybe give us a little bit about your background um you know tennis specifically did you grow up playing um have you always been somebody that loved watching tennis how did you you know what is your connection to the to the sport and then how did you get into betting i always you know one of the most interesting things when you talk about people is not only how did they get into betting but specifically how they got into betting tennis So if you could maybe give us a a minute or two
2: on your history. Sure, Uh, I guess initially grew up playing tennis, Uh, probably started when I was about four or five, Um, and it just kind of grew from there. I was a ball boy at the Australian Open for a couple of years, so got to see some interesting stuff there. I think probably the highlight was, I don't know if you remember the the Federer versus Roddick semi-final that lasted about 70 minutes, because Federer had a bit of a field day. Oh wow, um, oh wow So I guess being around tennis growing up it's always been something that I've had you know on the TV or or you know if I wasn't on the court I was watching or keeping up with with what was happening. Um, in terms of betting tennis, I guess, I kind of found early on I could get a pretty decent read on on what was happening on the courts and in terms of my other work, Um, very kind of numbers based so odds and probability I find quite interesting so it seemed like a bit of a natural progression to kind of head down that path and you know an opportunity came up to to do some writing for a website um, through a friend and it just kind of evolved from there and seven years later I'm still hanging around on Twitter and people still seem to want to follow so (laughs) here we are.
0: How very humble of you. Well, uh, we really do like, a Spread said, appreciate your work, and we love it to have the opportunity to have you here. We know you write uh, mostly for the folks at Betfair. I know it's under the Ace name, but it all kind of flows through there. And I know you have a bunch of stuff coming for the Australian Open preview. But specifically, we've enjoyed your work lately. I think just about everybody, hopefully, knows about everything that's going on in Australia. Um, you know, obviously, all are thoughts and, and prayers go out to you and yours and, and everybody there that is being affected by the fires and what's going on and as part of that i know we're in the middle of this charity tip-off which has been a lot of fun spread what do you know what our record is spread are we three and oh still three oh and with a with a push i, I think we're four oh and one actually oh excellent because riva covered the two and a half the other night
1: oh yes she did okay she did wonderful
0: but overall, it's been going very well. I think, uh, you know, Ace, maybe update us just a little bit. I think we only have maybe three, four, three losses, four losses in the losses entire, in the entire competition. competition.
2: I think so. It's it's going, it's going great. So each each team started with $500, and it looks like the tennis tipsters are sitting just over $650. And the sporting tipsters, or those who perhaps aren't known for their tennis, are uh, just around 570 So, yeah, it's going well.
0: Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Now, maybe talk to us a little bit about wh- where did that idea come from? I know that you're always thinking ahead and, and trying to create new avenues and interesting ways to talk about tennis and and this was a good cross-section of doing that and creating some charity work. So you know, where did that idea come from a little bit and talk to us about that a little more if you could.
2: I think it was something that I personally, I think you can, you can see on Twitter and compared to when I started, what was it, yeah, six or seven years ago, it certainly changed a lot in terms of kind of what's available, but also, I guess, the general tone of, of how everything comes across on on Twitter and social media. So just um, wanting to, obviously, I've spent the last seven years doing most of the work under the name of Ace, um, and I guess wanting to kind of make that transition away, and not that I was necessarily hiding behind a name, but to, to I guess, be a little bit more prominent and, um, advertise I guess a little bit more around kind of mental health and the impacts that it can can have on things and in terms of you know personal life or you know people if they you know are betting or, or gambling or just in in general in terms of um, you know anxiety or depression and I guess being a, a bit more aware of that in that social media space where you know there's that that tendency that you know sometimes things can become a little bit negative or there can be a little bit of a pile on if if something happens Um, and I think a lot of it came from just the the way the tennis in particular I guess is is publicized in the media in Australia Um, it can be quite I'll use the term erratic at times it's you know I guess I'll use the example of the last week it's been very pro Nick Kyrgios until he obviously lost last night and it's been a little bit of a, a pile on, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it, it kind of came from that and, and trying to do a little bit of, of charity work on top of, of what we do, um, just, to, just to give it a little bit of insight and a bit more um, publicity.
0: Yeah, it's been a great idea it's been a lot of fun I, I think your comments about Nick Kyrgios are really interesting I think a lot of people saw the article that was posted where it was something like the the 10 sports villains or something and he was right <laughs> in between two people who literally murdered human beings
2: yeah I, I feel uh, like it's uh, a little bit different between kind of throwing a racket or you know, you know what he did last, last year against Rude throwing basically everything across the court and you know committing murder but you know obviously the uh <laughs>
0: it's absurd you're 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 right to feel that way um and you know again for anybody who has who doesn't follow you or hasn't read your piece on kind of mental health and and all that stuff i thought that was really great i thought that was a big step forward and, and a lot different from the way you write normally and i I think it's good to kind of take that step forward and uh, you know steve i know you're talking to a guy named noobs and a guy named spread Astaire on a podcast right now so <laughs> you know we're a little behind you in that that arena but i think that that's an important step to make and you know at some point i don't know what do you think spread will we ever tell anybody what our real names are i think i might have by accident several times but you know how about yeah you? My,
1: mine has slipped out on the live show too so uh, there people are becoming aware
0: All right, gentlemen. Well, I think that's enough of that. Let's get into some tennis. As we like to do every week, we're going to recap quickly what happened the week before to give us some context before we look into the tournaments that come ahead. We had three tournaments last week. The only one that's finished, Ekaterina Alexandrova, wins her first ever tournament. I was really surprised to know that. I think that I already knew that she hadn't won a tournament before, but just a really great tennis player from my perspective and had a really good week Um, you know from an outright perspective spread pretty disappointing from Sabalenka we did pick Alexandrova however by the way so you know kudos to us 14 to 1 not not too bad Um, as I start to flip through here um, another nice week for Rybakina somebody we had a lot of success betting on in individual matches last year Um, what did you think of the week in Shenzhen spread
1: I mean, yeah, Alexandrova was someone that we had targeted because she had finished the season so strong
0: and um,
1: she obviously continued it in this tournament here and I think this really bodes well for uh, for her to go forward, but I'd really like to know what Steve has to think about this because uh, I'm really excited to hear his thoughts.
2: I think um, Alexandrova is someone who's really, I guess she's kind of been just around that mark now for what would be about Two years or so that she was, you know, starting to really perform in some of those kind of lower, lower tier tournaments, but just wasn't really bringing everything together. Um, and I think you know if you if you watched her this week in Shenzhen, when she's on, she's very hard to beat. And it's it's almost like she's playing a different sport sometimes in terms of how hard she hits it and how she can she can cover the court. I guess for her size as well, her movement isn't too bad. Um, I guess it's always a little bit tricky that, you know, I know that both of you have a very high opinion of, um, (laughs) Savalenka. Oh no, um, be careful. careful. (laughs) But I think, you know, it's probably, you know, she, she didn't go the distance there this year, but you know, it might actually hold her in good stead to be able to get to Melbourne in relatively decent shape, having not played too much tennis. Because i think she's been found out a little bit in the heat you know even last year um you know at that grand slam level so i think for her to take that next step she needs to um start focusing on those those big fortnights that come around every couple of months
0: it's a great point um, she could definitely do a much better job i think of managing her schedule and i I love the uh, the light bit of optimism there. That, that, that was really nice. But to circle back on Alexandrova for just a second, I see her in the same light. There's this group of players on tour who have this, this really high level of talent but are always succumbing to injury. I mean, you saw her last year. Every single time she was on court, something wrapped up, uh, you know, another version of that. In the same tournament, frankly, Gasparian. Whenever she's healthy, she's playing really, really good tennis. But she's maybe healthy, I don't know, six weeks out of the entire year. Um, but I think if Alexandrova can continue to, you know, kind of shore up her body and physically be pretty good, I expect kind of big things from her first again at that lower level. I don't I don't know if I could see her being too competitive in slams anytime soon, but her just, her top level, when she starts to redline, she is just absolutely, just absolutely incredible. incredible. I th-
2: I think she's at that point now where, you know, I remember watching her live, it must have been 2018, at the Australian Open, and she played Madison Keys and lost... 6-love, six 6-1, six in about, or oh, would have been about 45 minutes. And I guess the big difference for her then was that she'd come out to Australia. She hadn't brought anyone in terms of any coaching. I was sitting just behind her coach's box and it was empty. And that if she can get to that level to be able to actually have a team with her travelling around consistently, that, you know, if she's got someone there that can kind of give her a bit of positive reinforcement, you know, across the year, that she might actually be able to make that that next step, I guess, Grand Slams is a little bit different. There's a bit more pressure with that, but just overall, um, you know, seeing her progress would be—it would—it'd it would, be a good thing to see this year. All right, gentlemen, anything else on Shenzhen
0: before we jump quickly into Auckland? No, let's move on. All right, in Auckland right now, actually, we have the final. Serena Williams is playing Jessica Pagula as we record. Let's just quickly take a look at the score. Serena Williams is serving down 3-1. Um, she's up 40-30 to 30 here. I'll let you guys know if she ends up holding. But as you look through the week, um, what an incredible week by Jessica Pagula, somebody that we had some success on late in the year in some of those smaller tournaments, someone that I thought would be um, able to make some noise in these smaller tournaments, but has beaten some really serious players this week. Um, you know took care of Caroline Wozniacki is obviously holding her own here against Serena Williams but I think we start with Serena Williams Um, she is the most important player in this tournament and when you think of the big pictures we take a step back from a tennis perspective we have one week and then is the and then we have the Australian Open we have a slam where Serena Williams is playing her very best Um, so spread what do you what have you seen from Serena Williams this week Uh, what does her form look like to you does she look in shape what are your expectations for the australian open give us maybe if you can some broad general thoughts on what you saw from serena williams this week
1: Uh, i've definitely upgraded her uh, in my mind she looks ready to go obviously we talked about it in the preview Um, she doesn't enter a tournament unless she's intending to win she doesn't mess around with warm-up matches Um, as she said before uh, i think i know how to play tennis when asked about lack of preparation and um, you know, some people are still uh, down on her quickness. I still think that they are using uh, they're comparing her to her old self. I think still compared to the other players, um, you know, she has still average movement, but she has uh, the most powerful ground strokes and and one of the best serves we've ever seen. Uh, I've definitely upgraded her to probably a clear
0: favorite of the Australian. I think from a movement perspective, it's tough because when you watch her and the eye test and you, and you look at her, what you see is someone who's lumbering. But you have to remember, she's so much bigger than all these other players, and when she takes a step, it's a little bit further. But Steve, why don't you jump in? What are your thoughts about Serena Williams? And from a big-picture perspective, what do you expect from her in the upcoming Grand Slam?
2: Yeah, I think I agree with what you guys were saying about just in terms of her movement and how she's getting around the court, I think – She's saved a little bit by the fact that she does, you know, she does have a decent backhand slice, or she can actually defend quite well when she needs to. I think mean, she's only, you know, prior to the final, she's only dropped the one set, I think it was to Mikhail. I think she lost the first set in that match. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because you, you look at how well she's played over the last 12 months outside of finals, and she's you know, barely put a foot wrong outside of hurting herself a couple of times. I mean, she was, I think, did she roll her ankle against Plushkova yeah, yeah, open yeah. last year? Yep, so yep. yeah, she was you know, serving, she was for, serving the for the second,
0: second set in the match. I think it was like five, two or something um, rolls her ankle, basically can't move for the rest of the match and somehow finishes and Plushkova wins. wins.
2: So I, I think it's, you know, if she, if she stays fit, then you know she's going to be very hard to beat. And then it, seems like she's got perhaps a little bit of a mental block perhaps in a final um considering you know how she's gone over at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open to to finish off those tournaments but you know it's hard to falter in terms of what she's producing considering what she's you know been able to deliver now for what a couple of decades. I like what you
0: said about the finals and I wonder if it's a mental thing or a physical thing right so we're, we're at this point where um, you know, she's obviously coming off of having had a C-section and a child in the last year and a half or so, and has had trouble as you've gone later and later in tournaments, you know, as you start to look here. So I, when I get to, and I start to look at her results, this, the question I'm struggle to answer is, is it because it's later in that tournament and she's fatigued? Is it because it's the final and mentally it's tough? Or is it simply it's because she had to play Bianca Andreescu and then Bianca Andreescu and then Simona Halep? Um, in three straight finals in a row. I mean, you know, what is our expectation there? So, spread. what do you think in terms of Serena Williams and what we've seen kind of at the end of last year? And, you know, again, kind of coming back to that big picture standpoint, do you think that her, you know, failure, frankly, in finals for the last handful of months is because of the players she's playing, her fatigue, is it a mental thing? What, what do you see there?
1: I'm glad you asked me. I have a definite strong take on this one. I think the draws have opened up for her in uh, the last couple grand slams, and the level of competition she's faced in the final has been a lot higher uh, than the the competition she was facing to steamroll her way to the final. Um, I mean, the, the form that Andreescu was in going into the final last year, um, Simona Halep's another one you mentioned. I mean, these are t- top players, and a lot of times they had opened up where she was beating, you know, top 20 players and now all of a sudden she's against the top five player i don't think it's mental at all i think that um sometimes th- these draws opening up for her might become a negative because uh the competition increase from the semifinal semi-final to the final was so steep um you know she wasn't as prepared for it as maybe her opponent was steve what do you think steve, what do you
2: think yeah i think i agree i just while you guys were talking i just had a, a quick look and since the start of 2018 she's Four wins and five losses against top ten players, so it's it, it may be a little bit that you know, depending on on the opponent and who's on the other side of the court. I think initially I thought it was it was mainly to do with that who was on the other side of the court, but I think the Wimbledon final in particular kind of threw me off a little bit because that was that was incredibly one-sided for a match against Halep on grass. I think it ended up being six two, six two, or you know, she only won a handful of games and it was that was it quite was a denial. And yeah, and I, I think that may have set her back a little bit. And obviously she's you know, every every win from here is breaking a record of, of some description. So, you know, there'd be a little bit on her mind, but I think yeah, she is certainly coming um coming up against some pretty quality opposition every time she she finds herself in a final, particularly, you know, since she's, since she's come back from um, having a child.
0: So the only other player I wanted to talk about from Auckland was Caroline Wozniacki, somebody that, if I'm being perfectly honest, I was writing off a little bit, given her, you know, being open and honest about wanting to retire and the Australian Open being the end of her career. Um, Steve, we'll start with you this time. What did you see from Wozniacki this week? Do you see her as a real contender to possibly win the Australian Open, a tournament she's won before?
2: I don't know about winning the whole thing. I think she obviously got one of the more generous first round matchups that you could probably encounter or anyone will encounter probably for the entire year. Um, in terms of her other wins, I mean she she was she was solid, but I don't think you know if you put her up against someone in the top thirty who's who's playing pretty well. I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle and I think you guys might have spoken about it a bit last week that, you know, that motivation factor that, you know, retirement's coming at the end of at the end of this month. I, she certainly exceeded my expectations for this week but I just don't know based on her form over the last 12 months if if she's going to go out hoisting a, a trophy over her head in a couple of weeks' time. I think it might be a little bit difficult um, and I think that um semi-final third set where she lost at six love kind of showed a little bit that you know it's 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 going to be tricky for her she's going to rely on her opponent to to not be at their best to to get the job done
0: spread What, what do you think what did you see from caroline this week
1: you know i mean uh we underestimated her right she's here um she's ready to play her best tennis and she did not seem to be suffering from some of the effects that we saw last year um now, is that indicative uh, that she'll continue to have good health for these next three weeks? I don't know. I think that uh, that uh, when you're having to handicap medical conditions, that's some of the toughest handicapping um, you have to do. So I'm not going to really be too eager to be going one way or another on her matches. But uh, my my one thing that I thought seeing this week is I don't think that uh, she has a chance to win the whole thing. But if she gets a nice draw and she has a generous price, I might be looking at her to win her quarter in the australian because i think she showed that she has the form to do it if the draw opened up correctly
0: i I think a lot of it does come down to the draw when i start to look at some of her performances you know the real win for me was the match against gorgas i mean she absolutely blew gorgas away Mm -hmm. 6-1-6-4 and that was her first tough match but Um, you know Pagula again I'm curious to see how she does for the rest of the season I think that um, her beating was Niaki and taking a look at the score right now Serena Williams was down a break when we started this conversation let's see where she is right now Um, actually back on serve here 4-3 Serena Pagula serving right now so we're back on serve but she's holding her own she's showing um, some confidence here but any other thoughts gentlemen on Auckland before we jump quickly into Brisbane?
1: Do, can we get a quick rundown of Pagula and what we think of her chances uh, for the Australian are? Uh, she's really impressed me.
0: I don't know if I'm excited about her chances for the Australian Open specifically, um, but she's definitely a name that I'm looking at in hardcore tournaments for the rest of the year, especially any time we have a fast hard court. Once we get to Indian Wells and we get to Miami, I, I might slow down my interest just a little bit. But the rest of the hard court season... I think that that's a name I'm always going to be looking at again to win some of the smaller tournaments. Maybe she's a fun name to look at for quarter prices, but I, and you know, I think a lot of that's going to change based on how this match goes. It's just she doesn't have the experience in my opinion playing against top 20 players for me to be excited about her winning big events yet. What do you think, Steve? You think,
2: Steve? I think this week might actually be her this is probably her first kind of breakout week outside of North America that I can think of I think a lot of her a lot of her best tennis over the last 12 24 months has been kind of in that North American zone I'm trying to think of a time I, I, you know I think she went through the most of the Asian swing last year and was quite poor so you know the fact that she's starting to be able to deliver a bit of decent tennis you know a long way from home is that's a good sign for her
0: So what do you think about her game in general, though, Steve? What do you see in terms of her strengths and weaknesses? Um, One of the things I always like to antagonize our guest about, as someone who, frankly, didn't really grow up playing tennis and um, has watched a lot of tennis over the last few years, but is still kind of putting together um, what it is I see when I'm watching a lot of these matches. What do you like about her game?
2: I think for her, I mean, it's a positive and a negative in that she can... She does stick to her guns a lot with, with what she's doing, and, and she will, you know, using the, the match against Wozniaki as an example, that, you know, she, she's got a solid first serve, and, and when she can hit her spots with that, she can hold serve quite comfortably, which against a, a Wozniaki or similar can put you in a pretty good position to be able to attack on return. Um, I don't think she has that big significant weakness. But I think it's just that consistency, as you said, against the, the top players. I think it's just kind of building that, that consistency in her game to be able to attack and, and make those right decisions um, You know, when the pressure's on. I think that's probably something that's really evolved for her. I mean, I think the first time I remember watching watching her would have been years ago. I think she played um, Sam Stozer in one of the tournaments in in the US and she was it was all still very raw and the the best her best tennis was fantastic but it could be followed up with some pretty average tennis the um the very next point. But I think it's just that kind of building confidence in her game and, and that she has confidence that when she has that ball to sit up and hit that she's able to to make those right decisions. But I think it is starting to come together and it's starting to click it was probably a little bit later than she would probably have hoped but it's um it's getting there i mean she's i'm just having a look now she's you know to be serving at three four and juice against serena williams who looks like she's got 28 of 29 first serves into play yep, you know, yep. She, she must be doing all right and feeling okay
0: it's really impressive and she continues to do impressive things i'm really excited about her Spread, anything to add before we wrap up on Auckland? No, I think Brisbane was the event of the week, so let's jump in there. Now, Steve, is it Brisbane? Is it Brisbane? How does how do people from Australia pronounce the name of this town?
2: Uh, we would call it Brisbane. Brisbane. Oh,
0: okay. So let's jump me. into Brisbane, where tonight we have the final. Carolina Pliskova playing Madison Keys. I'm looking right now. Carolina Pliskova serving for this first set, 5-4, 40-30. I imagine that she'll take care of business there. Um, But as you look at the draw, this was the big tournament of the week in terms of names. Jennifer Brady, pretty impressive. Two wins beat Ashley Barty. Steve, I believe you were there.
2: I was. I was. I think that was uh, certainly impressive from Brady. I think looking... I mean, I, I saw a lot of matches over those first couple of rounds. I think that is a perfect example of the crowd, I mean I was probably one of a handful of people there who knew much about Brady, such as kind of the the crowds that you get to some Australian tennis matches, but Brady really stuck to her guns and served incredibly well from start to finish, and I think Barty kind of showed that, you know, she didn't have much of a break at the end of last year. I think when everyone else kind of had their holidays and, you know, had a bit of a break and stopped picking up a tennis racket, Barty then played the year-end championships and then the Fed Cup final, and then not long after it, she's back back on court in Brisbane. So I think she, uh, I think it was a little bit of a wake-up call for Ash, um, and I guess the pressures that come with being the world number one playing at home. But there was certainly some interesting, interesting tennis across the, the first couple of days across a number of matches.
0: Absolutely, none more spectacular spread than. Then our confusion and then pick of Danielle Rose Collins beats Fidelina. Not just beats Fidelina spread. I don't know why we didn't go ahead and do the alt spread. Lord only knows <laughs> what Collins at plus five. I think it was plus 521 or plus 520, whatever it was we tipped it at. Can you imagine if we'd actually bet her at, let's see, six one six one? That would be a spread of, what would we have covered, minus eight? Minus yep. eight and a half? What what do you think we could have got on minus eight and a half spread? For <laughs> about plus 1,500 there, right? Oh, I think that might have been even bigger than that. Good Lord. Well done by us. But Danielle Rose Collins played some great tennis, absolutely beat the pants off his of Fidelina, and then beat the pants off a of Putin save a 6-1, 6-0. Um, you know, lost to Madison Keys, 6-4, 6-1. But another player spread that I think when we were doing some preseason stuff and doing the previews of the tournaments, we weren't super excited about. What did you see from Danielle Rose Collins last week?
1: Uh, Well, so she's suffering from the same ailment that Wozniaki's is suffering from. So we're always going to have to keep that in mind when handicapping her matches. But she showed, once again, when she's on form, um, she's a tough player to beat. She definitely gives it all with her heart. Um, she's pretty good at redirecting pace. I think she moves pretty well, and she definitely doesn't get intimidated uh, by the uh, big-name players or the bigger situations. So um, this is another tough one because I hate handicapping the health. And it, its I, I mean, I can imagine we might see her some matches looking... Uh, wonderful. And then the next day, not even feeling right. If uh, I don't know, I've never heard anything from her specifically, but from reading Wozniacki interviews and talking about how she was dealing with it, it seemed even to be a mystery to her on which day she would feel good or bad. It didn't seem like she had a lot of, um, you know, predictive factors or symptoms. Um, So that's going to be tough when we're looking at her from an outright perspective, but um, her game seems to be continuing to grow. And I definitely think that uh,
0: her mental toughness has as well. Now, we're in the final again. Pliskova just closed out the first set. She's playing Madison Keys. I think this is really fun to talk about both of these players. Um, neither has a Grand Slam championship, but has tons and tons of talent. Let's start with Pliskova. Steve, what do you think about her, her game, and how it translates to a potential Australian Open championship?
2: That is a fantastic question. Um, I think... and you know, having watched her over the last couple of years and even watching her live, saw a couple of her matches in Brisbane this week, there just, there seems to be something missing. And it's one of those ones that you look at it and it, you know, it, it, it's almost a little bit frustrating watching her sometimes that she's, she looks so relaxed and laid back and, you know, you, you barely see any emotion out of her outside of, I think, the time she, you know, tried to bring down the umpire's chair in one of the clay court tournaments a couple of years ago against Sakari. Um, but it almost looks like at sometimes times it, it, it's too, she's almost too relaxed and can kind of get, lull herself into a, a false sense of security. I mean, she shouldn't, she shouldn't have lost, I think the second set against uh, Tomljanovic the other day, you know, being there that she should have, you know, been off the court in, you know, 80, 70, 80 minutes. I think, you know, if you've got a, a solid serve where you can kind of hit some spots and, and keep it moving, then you're, you're going to be a chance against her. But I think it's just that that movement at times can be a little bit lacking against, you know, the Asakas and, um, you know, those, those type of players that, that have a good serve and have some, some weapons with their movement to be able to kind of keep her either jammed up because you don't want to her on the run too much because, you know, if, you, if you've if seen her hit a forehand down the line, it can be quite brutal, but it, it's, you know, she's a, she's a tricky one to play because she doesn't give you anything from an emotional standpoint to be able to, to work off, but she just hasn't seemed to be able to close out those, those big tournaments at the end, um, you know, over the last couple of years.
0: I like the way you describe that is that when you watch her, there's something missing because that's what I've always thought when I watch her, she can do almost everything on a tennis court, but there's just, there's something that's not quite there spread. What do you think about Pliskova?
1: I think when you're talking about what's missing, it's really her inability um, to change tactics, Um, say the way that Sloane Stevens can, when she's at her best, she can play in an offensive or a defensive (laughs) manner. Uh, I really think that Pliskova struggles when she's not the aggressor and, uh, if you can drag her into longer points, um, th- she definitely struggles there. She likes to be out in front. Um, she's kind of a front runner of sorts. Um, uh, the movement is, is a tad bit lacking as well, which I don't think that she'll ever fix. And I really think for her to ever win a grand slam, the draw is going to just have to open up perfectly for, her. um, but she's a, a credible threat against almost any player. Um, it's just, I think, I think that she's going to struggle to to find seven matches to where the matchup is going to be right for her in order for her to to prevail. And I want to know what Steve thought. You know, I'm kind of big onto the coaching deal. I think that the loss of Conchita Martinez might hurt a bit, although her results this week wouldn't indicate that.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it would as well. Um, I mean, she she looked. I mean, you know we're saying that she looks solid, she's up a set in the final, so she is playing well. Um, I think she was probably the beneficiary of Osaka having a little bit of a meltdown yesterday. Um, okay. But I don't know, I guess, you know, middle of last year we started to see a little bit more variety with her. We saw her kind of come into the net a little bit more and and show off a little bit more of her game, but it just seems like she's may have reverted back a little bit this week to, to what she was doing you know 12 18 months ago um, I still think she gets you know you sit there and particularly when if you sit there and if you ever get the chance to watch her live and and watch her opponent you just want you almost sit there and you almost want to yell at the opponent to just go just hit it straight at her on the return because when she starts to get cramped and you know she's playing you know below her knees without a lot of room to move, it starts to get a little bit awkward and you can kind of start to get on the front foot or even, you know, throw in a drop shot or, or try and throw her off a little bit. But I think, you know, ultimately with, with a player like her, she just needs her serve to go in. She needs to hit a high percentage of her first serves. And if she can do that, it's going to be difficult to break her. Um, And I think she looks a little bit more comfortable when she's serving first to, to have a bit more of a swing on the return as well.
0: Now another player, her opponent here in the finals, somebody else that I think again to steal Steve, your, to steal Steve, sorry, your phrase is missing just a little something. Spread, I know you're gonna in some way, shape, or form pick Madison Keys to do something at some point this year. So we're gonna start with you, <laughs> Madison Keys. What did you see from her this week? Um, is she someone who can win the Australian Open?
1: Yes, I think she is. Um, I'll tell you what. So she knocked out my outright yesterday. I stubbornly refused to hedge. I was going to wait for the final um, because I thought that it was a great matchup um, for Kvitova. And sometimes, you know, when you lose a match, you're, you're mad or, gosh, you know, I I was so impressed by Key's uh, level of tennis. And when she's on um, her game is just spectacular. I mean, it's like a highlight reel. Um, She's able to, to hit balls down low, high, you know, she's not, she can take them on various, um, I'm not saying it right, but the the height of the wall that you hit, you know, kind of reminds me of, uh, Andre Agassi used to to hit the ball on the rise. She seems to be able to do that as well, as well as hit the ball at the, at the peak of its bounce. Um, I'm really impressed with Madison Keys, a little disappointed that I'm, uh, that she's not doing well today. I really thought that uh, she was going to catapult this into a victory, but, um, Honestly, I'll probably be picking her to win her quarter unless the
0: draw is just brutal. Steve, anything to pile on top?
2: Um, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I got to watch her live a couple of years ago, and I think she actually got injured that day, so you know it was hard to kind of gauge. You know, I think you do get a little bit more of an idea. You know, if you can get on a on a on an angle, you know, sitting in the the stadium as to to how well someone can strike a ball. But I got to watch her against Stosa um, the other day, and and in, in, if you're going to try and have a, you know, general rally with, with her at the baseline, as soon as one ball sits up there, kind of, you know, above that hip height, like you guys said, that, you know, she's going to put it away, and she's going to win most of those points, you know, baseline to baseline. I think if there was that one area that she could work on a little bit, it's probably that, you know, if she gets drawn into the net a little bit, um, Stosa had a lot of success the other day with her backhand slice and trying to kind of keep it short and and draw her into the net because you know I, I don't think Keys has that touch to be able to either deliver a drop shot or to be able to put enough top spin on it to get it up over the net and back down if she's if she's too close to the net. So I think that's kind of the the spot that she, she probably needs to work on a little bit. But in terms of just general baseline to baseline there's you know if she's on it's another one of those ones you know that you know most of the the points are going to be on her racket unless the opponent does something phenomenal or the opponent's plush cover as we see today
1: yeah one thing i noticed yesterday too as far as drawing her in it can be really tricky too because if you don't execute the shot perfectly and you kind of sit it a little bit in the middle of the court and you don't bring her all the way in i mean she'll crush you so I definitely agree with you, but it takes a lot of precision to be able to pull that off, which is why I think that maybe um, most of the players on the tour can't do it, but the top players are able to exploit that weakness.
2: Yeah, I think it was, it was very evident the other day, and I think it was more because Keys was trying to turn those shots into drop shots. She wasn't trying to hit through it. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. a confidence yeah. thing to be able to kind of you know, hit through with, with you know, enough topspin to get it back back into the court but you know she was really I, I could have counted you know seven or eight times that she put a, a drop shot into you know not even halfway up the net just because she didn't have that that touch to be able to do that and I think it she just needs that reinforcement to go well you know you're one of the the biggest hitters out there just rip it all
0: right gentlemen let's jump into the week to come just as a quick update Pliskova won the first set of course in Brisbane we're still on serve there in Auckland, Serena Williams takes the first set and is up love 40 against Pagula. I'm sure she's sh- soon to break, although Pagula held serve. We're now at 1540. We have two events this week. We'll start with the tournament in Hobart. As we look at the last couple of years, Sophia Kennan beat Anna Karolina Shmedlova. Elise Mertens won the two years before that, beating Buzarnescu and Nicolescu. Then you have Cornet beating Bouchard. Watson beating Brengel. Um, two events this week. Again, the week before a Grand Slam, folks, so be careful and um, act accordingly. Again, in Hobart, we'll start with the top half of the tournament since we only have 32 here, so we'll do top half, bottom half. Spread in the top half, we've got Elise Mertens, Victoria Kuzmova, Fiona Farrow, Rebecca Peterson, Elena Rybakina, we've got Zidancic in here, AVU. Cornet and Caroline Garcia spread. When you take a look at the top half of this tournament, what do you think? What do you see? Who comes out and and makes the semifinals?
1: Well, so I think this uh, draw opened up pretty nice uh, for Mertens. Um, I think Peterson can give her some problems. Right. has been playing well. Obviously the fatigue issue will come into play. Um, And boy, having Garcia as a seated player on, on your half is uh, I think is a, is a stroke of luck at this point with caro's current form um but like you said this is where it sucks because usually uh we like to stay away from the chalk um the week before a slam so we need to to kind of handicap each player's individual motivation um so if we were to make the the chalky future do we think that elise just plays a couple matches and gets out of there or is she here to win the tournament and i'll tell you what i have not read or
0: seen anything that would give me a indication of either way It's tough to figure that out. The name that sticks out for me is, frankly, either Caroline Garcia or Rebecca Peterson. When you start to think Mm. about, um, you know, people that are playing this tournament to win it. Because you make a good point. It's a week before a slam, just like I mentioned. You got to start, and you really need to start to think about what some of these players are focused on. Is Elise Mertens thinking about winning this tournament? Or is Elise Mertens thinking about... Getting some good tennis in, being in good form, going into the Australian Open with a chance to maybe make a quarterfinal, um, if not win a quarter herself, it's really tough though from a pricing perspective. Some of the names that I would, you know, as I start to look at this before looking at odds, I circle Peterson, Rybakina, and Garcia. And as I start to look at the odds here, Rybakina is plus seven eighty, so just short of eight to one. Caroline Garcia plus thirteen eighty, just short of fourteen to one, and Rebecca Peterson is sixteen to one. I think that Peterson is the one that I like the best there. It's 16-1. to As I start to look at the draw and think about it more, that feels kind of like a half-unit play for me. Um, But Peterson's the first name that sticks out. Steve, what do you think about the top half of this draw?
2: I think, as you said, it it is hard to look past Mertens. Um, She, you know, I think she obviously has some pretty positive memories from you know her back-to-back titles here, and I think she was actually the one that changed the ruling around players being able to play the week before a, a Grand Slam when they need to qualify, because I, I remember in Hobart, it must have been three years ago now, she was playing Sasha Vickery, and they both had qualifying matches in Melbourne the next day. I think they both made the, the second round, and both players walked out onto the court, played one game, and both called for the trainer, and it was Vickery actually who um, retired after one game to head to Melbourne, Vickery went to Melbourne, lost in the first round of quali- qualifying, and Mertens went on and won one Hobart, and you know, look at her now. It was a little bit of a sliding doors moment for both of them, but I think Mertens was able to, just off the top of my head, I think she won this two years ago, and then made the semi-finals at the Australian Open from memory mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know she, she has that ability to be able to, to back it up which is positive um, I think looking through the rest of it I agree around um, around Peterson I think she she's a little bit more value because of her first round loss in Auckland which was played in incredibly windy conditions and she just didn't get a handle on it at all um, you know, I'd probably be looking away from Rybakina considering she's coming in from um, from Shenzhen. Um, I guess the tricky one, and someone who's had some decent success in Hobart before is Cornet, but you know she retired in in Auckland, so that's a bit bit of a tough one to gauge. And you know, if K- Garcia is one who's just really difficult to get a read on at the moment, you know, if she can bring her best tennis, then then fantastic. But it's just, you know, are we going to see it? So I. I, I tend to head down the path of of peterson i wish she was in that second quarter just to be a little bit further away from mertens because i think if you could find someone in that second quarter to be able to take advantage and you know it'd be interesting to see which qualifier gets popped in there um you know they could be able to find themselves you know in a semi
0: i like that idea the qualifier the only other name that stuck out to me was van youd i know she's very good on some of these faster hard courts but um i'll be thinking about peterson um, spread anything else to add before we jump to the bottom half so you know who I, I wanted to mention
1: but I've you know she's burned us a bunch of times and maybe is not as good as uh, I thought uh, Kuzmova I wanted to know no. Steve's thoughts on that young player
2: <laughs> Um, I see that's interesting I, I, I haven't looked at the, the odds for her first round match but you know, Lin Zhu has played pretty well over the last couple of months. I think with Kuzmova, I think her movement just isn't quite there. I think she relies so much on her serve that you know, once the ball's in play, you know, it, it's you know, it, it's hard to gauge where she's at. She just doesn't have that consistency throughout a whole match. Um, yeah, I I don't I can't see her beating. Mertons. I would actually think she, she might even struggle in round one. Um, but yeah, I, I guess looking at other ones that could fall into that section from a qualifying standpoint, the, the qualifiers are actually pretty good this week by the looks of things. So you could get a, a pretty decent player that can that might pop up and be able to make a little bit of a run.
0: I think you're right about that. When I look at the qualifiers, I'm trying to think, um, looks like Watson's going to beat Stojanovic. We might have Mikhail there but I think this is to maybe jump a little bit ahead. Steve, what would you make the price for that first-round match between Watson and... I'm sorry, not between Watson. Jesus Christ. Um, sorry, what would you make the... Uh, yes, what would you make the price of that first-round match between Kuzmova and
2: Zo? Without having a heavy look kind of through the the stats, um, I mean, Zo is one of those players that... When everything clicks, she can be very hard to beat. Again, it's, it's difficult for her to maintain it across an entire match. I would have, personally, I'd probably have Kuzmova, oh, potentially just a, an ever so slight favourite. But I think that's probably more so because a lot of Zoo's recent form has come kind of through the, the Asian swing late last year. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tricky one. I, and now just having a look, actually, it looks like Zoo is actually quite a heavy favorite.
0: I was going to say, do you want me to tell it to you in U.S. odds or decimal odds? Because Zoo is minus 175 or minus 1.57. She's a huge favorite in this match. Um, it's such a strange line. Uh, Spread, jump in
1: i was just say I, I, that's pretty much indicative of the way that Kuzmova finished the last year last year um, you know as high as I was on her she really did nothing to um, justify my enthusiasm for for backing her I, I think that price seems right
0: I think it's a, maybe a little heavy on Zoo. I don't know but, I don't know but, um,
2: um, I guess Zoo's coming in from Shenzhen too so a little bit more travel I know she I think she lost in the first round to, to Peng but you know, Shenzhen to um, to Hobart isn't isn't just around the corner, whereas the uh, the Auckland to Hobart's only a, you know a couple of hours.
0: Yeah, Kuzmowicz plus one forty four is pretty interesting.
2: I'm actually a little bit surprised at at how long that is. I know I know she lost to um, I think she lost to who did she lose to last week in Auckland? Um, oh, it was your your young. American talent, uh, golf. That's right, Coco. That's right, Coco. Coco. So I they don't know. They were up three and one. Yeah, and, one. and I think it was a that was that day that it was incredibly windy, as well, which I don't think lends to great form from um, Kuzmova. Um, but I know Kuzmova played quite well in Auckland last year, so she did start her year well in twenty nineteen. So, you know, looking at the odds that were available for, you know, if if you're looking at. Um, kuzmova being a decent underdog then you know that, that's actually almost a little bit appealing in my opinion
0: all right, Well, hold your thoughts there we'll get to that when we get to first round matches but let's jump okay into yeah because
1: i was going to ask him some more questions but i forgot we'll be going through the first round matches
0: so. we will be going through the i'm first definitely round going round so to a little bit of a tease opportunity spread.
1: though yeah, yeah come on a as a media
0: about... professional spread you should know a tease when you hear one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the bottom half. Some really fun names here. Now, I know I said some really fun names, but I have to start with Magdalene. Um, we have Astra Sharma, Lauren Davis, Zhang, Varada Kudomitova. Um We also have Marie Buzkova, CC Bell is playing this week. Uh, Blinkova and Garbina Muguruza at the bottom half. It's actually pretty fun from a matchup perspective. I'm going to start with you again, Spread. Who do you see coming out of the bottom half?
1: You know I want to take the Cooter Monster, but I'm not sure um, if that's the right look. I think that buzkova has got a good chance to come out. And if I wouldn't have watched the match last week, uh, where Blinkova looks so poor, her name would have popped out for me as well. Um, so, And I also think um, Sharma's got a good chance here at home, because I think that she is a player that we would not have to worry about her packing it in if she were to get to the semifinals or something of that nature.
0: I think that when I look at this half it comes down to me between the decision of Kudermetova and Buzkova and frankly I might just bet them both. When you start to look at the odds uh, again I've got bookmaker up here and will do a little more homework but Kudermetova 14 to 1, Buzkova uh, let me see 22 to 1 and they're going to play each other so I think I'm in a position where I'm considering maybe half a unit on both of them because they're the best players in the, in this bottom half, as far as I'm concerned. I think they can beat any and everybody, and the winner of that match is the person I see in the finals. Steve, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably a fair summary. It's a bit of, again, it's a little bit of a lottery because you know there are a lot that are that have travelled a fair bit, and you know everyone, basically everyone in this draw is playing in the Australian Open next week. Um, you know, Muguruza. You I mean, I've sat here for six months waiting for things to turn around, and they they haven't as yet, I and mean, she's got a very tough first round from a style matchup perspective. Um, yeah, I, I think personally, I think the winner out of the Kurda Stosa match will be quite interesting i think I think Stosa's taken a big step forward the last couple of months. I mean, I thought she was actually starting to head out, you know and start to miss the top 100 and and be missing these slams. But she's had a bit of a coaching change and and she looked quite good in Brisbane overall, but this is a very open one. I I think I'd probably steer clear of Sharma. Um, I think I actually saw her. She was up in Brisbane, but didn't play in any capacity, I don't think. So I'm not quite sure what she was doing there. And then I think she's now got a late wild card down to, to play in Hobart um But the the other one, I guess, is if if Kuznetsova's fit, that lynette Kuznetsova match becomes pretty um pretty key.
0: Yeah, I think it does. I just I, I struggle putting together in my mind how she makes it the whole week winning a tournament. Can you see Kuznetsova at this point winning a
2: tournament? Um, good question. I mean, she made the final in where was it? Was it DC, yeah, I DC. Think- she played Keys. Was it in the final? Was that. I'm trying to think off the top uh, of my head now. I'm not doing a very good job think...
0: of it. Let me see real quick. Keep talking. I'll look that up.
2: Um, so, yeah, I guess it, it's figuring out where her priorities lie at this stage of her career. Um, you know, she.
0: Cincinnati. Cincinnati keys beat Kuznetsova in Cincinnati. Oh,
2: my bad. Um, I think it's. I don't think this is this is her big goal for January. Um, there are a number of other players in there who could really benefit from a big week this week. Um, and looking, you know, the, that little section there with, you know, Stosa, um, CC Ballas and Cova and they could all really benefit from a, a solid week this week. But it, it's actually, you know, it, it's an interesting mixture of, of styles. Even a, a Flipkins could, you know, if it's a little bit windy down in Hobart, could cause a couple of upsets and... You know, that there has been that little bit of a resurgence with uh Lauren Davis over the last couple of months too. All right,
0: gentlemen, we've come down here and, and I don't know if we've settled on any outrights, but there were three names that I picked out from the conversation. Peterson at sixteen to one, Kudomatova at fourteen to one, and Buzkova at twenty two to one. I feel inclined to put a half unit on each. What do you think, Spread? Sounds like a plan. Steve, any objections? Uh
2: no objections there. I would be fascinated to see which two qualifiers fall into that third quarter because i I also
0: agree
2: i I think if you can get you know the couple of those names in that qualifying that have made their way through i know heather watson's had good success at hobart before but you know if you look at look at the um the qualifiers if you you know pop a couple of names in there that are decent that you know it's actually going to make for a really interesting section but it's hard to gauge i think the winner of the quarter is probably going to come from, oh, sorry, the winner of the half is going to come from the, the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah. All right. So we'll go half unit each spread. We'll go half unit each on Rebecca Peterson, 16 to one, Matova 14 to one, and Buskova at 22 to one. Unfortunately, we do not have qualifier odds right now, but Steve, I think you're dead on right there. Some of those could be very, very interesting, but let's jump into some first round matches. We've got Buzkova at only minus 152 against CC Bellis plus 124. That looks like an awfully short price on Buzkova spread.
1: Yeah, and that's obviously going on CC Bellis' potential. Um, I actually think that Bellis has a higher ceiling as a player. I just don't think that she's in the form yet, um, obviously returning from injuries so soon. I think it's going to take her a little while to get back to um, where she could be reaching her potential so i think that price seems about right um just because the fact that if she did you know she's young so if she was able to kind of whip herself back into the form uh of her true potential as a player um she could definitely
0: win so i I think that number seems pretty good Uh, so i like what you said about this price being based off cc's potential because i think this should be boost 250 i'm think Buzkova is one of the better hardcore players. I look forward to betting on her a lot this season. I'm definitely going to bet her at the minus 152 number. Steve, what do you think?
2: I think it's a really interesting matchup for a, a first round, and I think if you look at, um, at CC's match in Auckland, I know it took her a little while to get going with that. Uh, I think she lost the first set six love to, um, to Pagoula, but she did start to play a lot better in that second set. I mean, it's all going to come down to just time on court, I think, for CC over the next little while. Um, you know, Buzkova has, you know, you, you look at what she's been able to do over the last 12 months and, you know, it's a little bit surprising that she's probably not in the top 50. Um, she she does a great job of, um, you know, beating plays that she, that she should be beating. I think you know, I don't think CC played a lot of tennis late last year. I think it was just the Houston tournament. I think it was it was her first one back after a year and a half. Um, so you know, it's hard to gauge what kind of form she's in. Buzkova did look okay against Madison Keys. I mean, as okay as you can when you lose six three six two. But she did beat you know Kudamotova in the in qualifying. So. Yeah, that, that's a that's quite a solid win and I think it's it's probably Buzkova's to lose, but I would like to see um Ballas put together some some solid tennis. Now Steve
0: stay sharp because I'm gonna to go to you here quickly. Caroline Garcia minus two seventeen against Cabrera plus one sixty nine. I'm gonna to go to, I'm gonna to go, to go to you, Steve, because I'm pretty sure Spread doesn't
2: know who Cabrera is. Cabrera is. <laughs> so Cabrera Cabrera is he- true. Yes. is <laughs> an interesting right, Steve, one. You're on. She's a she's a bit of an interesting one because she's kind of sat in that mid hundreds ranking for quite a while now. Um she actually couldn't play the um the Australian Open wildcard playoff in December. I think she was ready to go and had had to leave for for personal reasons, but you know she's been given the wild card here and the wild card for the Australian Open so it, it's a really big opportunity for her um, to to put some solid points on on the board and when you ranked it I think she's up in the 130s at the moment it's going to be an important couple of weeks for her. She, she finished the season really well playing the Australian ITF tour. Um, I'll just have a quick look now she so she won the tournament in Darwin um, with, you know, some, some decent names. There you've got, um, I think that she played Abby Myers, as one of the other Australians in the final and um, Asia Muhammad in the, in the semi. She then backed that up with a, another title in Bendigo where she beat Storm Sanders and Madison Inglis who are two Aussies that are also going to be in the, um, the qualifying draw this week to keep an eye on. And then back that up again with another finals appearance in, in Adelaide. And, and got to the second round of qualifying in Brisbane. So she's she's putting together some solid tennis and a lot of that solid tennis was late in, in 2019. It's going to be a tricky one because she, she just doesn't quite have that power behind her serve that I think she needs to, to match it against some of the bigger hitters of the ball. Um, you know, Looking at her against Uzkova um, last week, she won 25% of points on a, her second serve. So she won four out of 16. And I just worry a little bit that she might get found out a bit if her first serve percentage isn't overly high. But you know, Garcia is an incredibly difficult one to to figure out. You know, it's, I've still got fresh in my mind the six love six love loss she had at the Fed Cup to Barty, um, and how she finished last year wasn't fantastic. So I mean, I wouldn't be jumping into the the short price of Garcia. Um, Cabrera could probably could snatch a set and you know, I'd have to probably dig a little bit deeper to, to see, you know, across a full match. But, you know, she, she's one to watch if she can get into a rally consistently.
0: All right, Spread, I'm pretty sure you don't have anything to add.
1: Well, the one one thing I would say to add is um, I think Garcia's pretty easy to figure out. I think you just fade her, and then, the, you know, the couple times where the old Caroline Garcia shows up, you know, you just go ahead and take the loss. But, um, you know, if you take out her results... You know, and you just look at 2019 as a whole, and that's the only thing that you ever saw of her and the only tape you ever watched of her, you wouldn't be impressed at all. You would think that she's a, um, you know, low-level WTA, ITF-level player. And it's really been um, almost fascinating how a player this talented Um, could have these type of results. But um, I'm quite comfortable fading Garcia and just just losing every once in a while because I'm getting uh, plus money a lot of times because she's still really getting overvalued, I think, just off her name and
0: how well she played in 2017. All right, next up, Peterson minus 270 against Farrow plus 208. That looks just about right to me. Spread, what do you think? Yeah.
1: I so and this one I definitely I'm gonna this I'm so happy Steve's on to answer just a lot of these these questions that I have I don't really rate Pharaoh that well uh, off the clay um so I'm not really excited to back her off here am I being a little too um simplistic in my handicap of Pharaoh
2: no I think that's pretty fair I don't think she's shown enough I guess in terms of that consistency I think like we spoke about before with Peterson I think I may have mentioned on on Twitter that I, I thought she, there might be a little bit of value in her this week purely because of her loss in Auckland. Um, I think that was a lot to do with the conditions more than anything. I think she should have won quite comfortably. You know, if you if you take the wind out of the equation. I know it is a little bit windy down in Hobart, but you know, looking at at Faro, I mean, it was a, it wasn't a great end to the year on the hard court. Um, yeah, I, I think. I wouldn't be too comfortable going with her on a confident level probably until she gets back onto the clay unless she really shows something. And even then, you know, I guess if there's a week to do it, it's probably the week before a a Grand Slam where, you know, you can maybe take advantage. But this is a tough first round for her.
0: All right. Schweiz Zhang minus 200 against Flipkins plus 160. I don't think I have any real opinion on this. It's it's kind of a messy match. There's a lot of inconsistencies here. Spread what do you think? I kind of like Zhang
1: even though there's a lot of a lot of that does seem like a lot of juice, but just um, you know, being in uh, the home hemisphere, I guess you would say, where she's more comfortable with the time zones. Um and things of that nature. I really think that she did well, and I think I undervalued her last year. I might be overcorrecting, um, but I think that I'd like Zhang to advance, and I even think that that's a, a fairly generous price. Am I underrating Flipkin, Steve?
2: I don't think so at this stage of her career. I think Zhang was... As, as someone who, um, who backed Zhang, I think it was minus five and a half games against Bondarenko last week in Shenzhen. She didn't actually play that badly. She just converted zero of eight break point opportunities and Bondarenko converted one of one. So I think, you know, Zhang's got the, the solid serve and, you know, is able to attack Flipkin's, I guess, slightly more crafty game. But I guess that it, it's going to depend a little bit on what that form around, you know, Bouchard and Vanderway. I guess Flipkin's, you know, won that final in Houston. I think it was in the end, end of November. Um but you know at at this stage of her, her career I'd probably be leaning towards Zane here.
0: All right, Kuterbatova minus 227 against Stoser plus 179. I'll start with you Steve. Any chance Stoser <laughs> wins this
2: match? Um oh, it's tough. It's tough for her. It's it's very tough. I mean, she's got the wild card, so she um you know it, it it's it's a funny one she she played really well against angelique Kerber in Brisbane and it's probably the best I've seen her play in Australia for quite a while um, I don't know whether it was the you know the ATP cup was on so they were playing on the outside courts and it wasn't quite as as overwhelming with the in terms of crowd size and support but um yeah it, it's she has the slice in the game to maybe give um, Kudamatova a bit of a bit of grief but I think it's going to be on it's going to be on the Russians' racket for for large stages of it. So, you know, it's. I think the odds are probably about right. Um, there's, there's, I don't think I'd lean either way in particular, from from my brief look at it so far. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tricky one for Sam first up. Spread anything to add?
1: Yeah, you know, i I like Kudinov over here a lot. My main reason that I'm not very excited to bet it is. The fact that I've kind of written off Sam Stozer before, and you know, thought that she's in the twilight of her career, and then she's come back, and and kind of showed me that I was wrong, and that she does have more in the tank. And I think that what you're getting, if you do decide to back Stozer is you're getting um, a, a mentally tough player that that knows how to attack a variety of different opponents, and that necessary won't necessarily get flustered by um, you know some of the tactics that Kudryavtova might use against younger players. So um initially i I thought that that price seemed right for kumar tova but um you know probably you know you touch your your finger to the stove and you get burned and you you're a little wary of the stove that's kind of how i am with with stozer
2: i'd probably Uh, keep an eye out just on the weather on the day as well i think stozer can struggle a little bit with when it's windy particularly because she you know puts so much top spin on her forehand that that's going to cause her a little bit of grief if it is particularly windy because it can pick up a little bit um in hobart Hmm.
0: Now Steve, I'm going to go right back to you again here Kuznetsova is a dog against Lynette Lynette minus 132 Kuznetsova plus 106 It seemed like when we were going through our preview here you liked Kuznetsova in this match What do you think?
2: I think it's a little bit tricky because we don't know how she's feeling because she was meant to play she was due to play Serena wasn't she in in Auckland and pulled out Yep. Yep So it's hard to get a gauge of where she's at Um, I think if you're looking at kind of tried and tested recent form, then you'd lean towards Lynette um, Particularly those first couple of rounds I think if you had to pick out of those two in terms of who had the ability to go deeper It would be Kuznets over, but in terms of the matchup here um, You know, considering she did withdraw last week I think it was just illness, but I'm not 100% sure on that um. yeah, it's it's going to be a tricky one. Spread, what do you think?
1: I like Kuznetsova at the dog price. And my idea here is that um, if she's not 100%, I would think that she would withdraw again and I'd get a push so that she's only going to show up if she's uh, feeling her best. And I think that uh, if both players were to play their best tennis, um, even though Kuznetsova might not be in her prime anymore, I still think that she's got enough. Not uh, to beat Lynette, and I'll take the plus money here, and then just hope that if she isn't a hundred percent, she withdraws and she doesn't try and fight through the match and uh, give me
0: a loss that way. All right, spread. I, I like with the plus money too. We'll, we're going to come back to that. This next one seems okay. pretty straightforward, guys. Rybakina minus two seventy eight, dancing plus plus two sixteen. Do either of you have anything interesting to say about this?
2: Oh, it depends on what you define as interesting, I suppose. Fair play. I'm not a big fan of um, Zverev on hard court. I think I've made that pretty clear on Twitter over the last couple of weeks. Um, the only question is, you know, she did play well in the wind against Peterson in Auckland. Rybakina's coming from Shenzhen. Um, did take a medical timeout against, I think it was Mertens, but obviously played against Pliskova and, and Alexandrova. But I guess for the only thing to consider here is that, you know, Rybakina has just played a final in Shenzhen. I think it's like 13, 14 hours in the air to get to Hobart, and she's, you know, very close to... I mean, she's probably going to be one of the biggest unseeded floaters at the Australian Open next week. So that's the only thing I can think about that, you know, you might consider a little bit interesting. But, you know, if you look at just the pure match-up, then it's Rybakina's to lose, I think.
0: Spread. What do you think? What's the price
1: that I would be getting if I took Zidanzik?
0: Two sixteen.
1: I I'm tempted there. I think that um, it would be a p- pure fatigue fade and not uh, something that I see in the matchup. But um, that is a tough trip. And if Zidanzik could even extend points and kind of make uh, Rybakina work, I could see her um, you know pulling out a match just off the uh, just off the fatigue. Um, don't know if I want to pull the trigger and make it a play, but I, I think that's a dog or pass situation. i not really too eager to back a, a
0: fatigued Rybakina coming off a, a great week last week. Yeah, I don't think you can back Rybakina because of the fatigue, but I'm going to pass pretty hard on Zidancic, You know, echoing a lot of what Steve said about her on hard courts. Next up, Sharma plus 200, Davis minus 256. Steve, it sounds like based on your comments earlier that price makes sense to you.
2: Yeah, look, I think it's it's Davis's one to lose there. I, I think Sharma. I don't know if she had an issue with her body towards the end of last year, or or what's happened. But we just haven't. I thought I, I thought we would have seen her in some capacity, maybe in in Brisbane or one of you know even the wildcard card playoff. Um, yeah, I just think she needs she needs time on court, and she needs it pretty quickly because she's she has a lot of points to defend in the first half of the year. Um, Davis has had a bit of a resurgence, so you know I'd be I'd be heading down that path based on what we saw last week, and and you know just in terms of that consistency and you know she'll keep the ball in against Sharma, so you know Sharma who needs that timing and rhythm with her her game a lot might struggle having not played a lot of uh, tennis recently.
0: Spread anything to add?
1: I think if I was coaching Sharma, I'd be pretty happy about this matchup uh, in the first round. I think that Davis will give her an opportunity. Um, to kind of try and find a rhythm and, and get a, a feel for her on the court. Um, don't know if I have a play on it, but I, I do think it's a, it's a nice matchup for Sharma. All
0: right, just All right.
1: just
2: mm-hmm. before we jump on, I just had a quick look at uh, Rybakina because I thought you know she had a couple of really successful weeks last year, late in the year, and looking at, I think she won um, Bucharest, and then the next week. Won the first round against someone ranked, I think it was Hand ranked 150 and then lost to Pereira 6-love, six 6-2 six in the second and third sets. And then in uh, China in September, she actually made the final and lost to Pedersen. And then two, two days later, went and lost to Siniakova, 6-1-3-1, one one, retired. So there's a little bit of form there in terms of struggling to back up.
0: Okay. All right, let me just see the next matchup we've got here kind of a mess here Van Ute bank minus 133 corne plus 108 corne didn't play great last week venue bank skipped out spread any thoughts uh i like avu here corne is really um
1: a wild card when you come to the type of form that she's gonna get and i really just don't trust her to bring it i think that's a pretty short price um for a player who i think could do well here and as a player that um I think we'll give a hundred percent for her whole tournament. I don't think that she's going to um, kind of bow out and start looking ahead towards the Australian. I think that um, she's definitely here for the success and for the points. Um, so I like AVU here. Steve, anything to add?
2: Uh, a bit of a tricky one, I think, because, you know, I think AVU pulled out of Auckland and just played the doubles yep. in the end yep. uh, last week. So you've got, you know, that, maybe she didn't feel like she was quite at that level to be able to play singles yet and cornea retired so you know Cornet's had some decent success at the past in hobart i think from memory but i wouldn't be you know touching this
0: (laughs) that is exactly how i feel garbina muguruza (laughs) is minus 196 against yafan huang minus (laughs) i'm sorry plus 156 this is another match. I don't really know what to do. Muguruza actually seemed to play some okay, solid tennis. Uh, Wong is someone I like to bet on a lot, but at one fifty six, I'm not interested. Spread. What do you think?
1: I mean, the first thing that thought to me is, uh, how many tournaments are we going to preview this year where the number two seed is going to be minus, you know, less than minus two hundred in the first round? Very kind of shows you the the current state of, of Muguruza, and I don't know if that's necessary. A compliment to, to Wong. I know that we liked her last year and that she had a couple uh, breakout hardcourt successes and she kind of struggled uh, to follow up on that. I think she's got a ton of potential. Um, Muguruza, I'm really excited about her coaching chain. I, th- I really uh, respect Conchita Martinez. Uh, I think that she's a great strategist and I think that she's a great communicator. I think that she's going to help Garbine, but how quickly um, is this new partnership going to translate into success? I don't know if it's that time yet um definitely don't want to bet on this match but garbine is someone that if she she has the potential to really uh, become a player in the slams again so definitely be keeping an eye, an eye on her results this week and um because if she does look good i might be interested in, in taking her in some of these
2: australian open matches anything bad steve um not too much to that one i don't think i think um, Muruguru, you you know we talked about kind of motivation of players this week it's tricky to i mean Muguruza just needs time on court i don't think she can be picky with where she plays and how hard she plays um the only disadvantage for her is she was in Shenzhen what three days more than than Wang was so a little bit of a trickier turnaround for her um but i think the odds look about right i mean you could maybe argue that you know Muguruza showed in Shenzhen she couldn't put it together for two complete sets and whether maybe a, a handicap play on on wang could appeal you know to be able to cover it even in a three-set loss but you know it's not i'm not uh, i'm not going to get the popcorn out and sit down and watch this one intently um i don't think there's there's a lot in it that's value at the moment
0: they are popcorn in australia <laughs> <laughs> well that's oh, good to know quick.
1: Hey, since I have Steve on here, and 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 Wong's one of the players that we really uh, we really like on the pod. What do you? What would you say that you're looking for her for this season,
2: as a whole? I think she's ranked 50 or roundabout at the moment. She <laughs> she should. I think at her best, she could find herself as a very low seed at a you know U.S. Open late in the year. Um. I think she needs to take advantage of that Asian swing at the end of the year a little bit more than she perhaps has in the past. Um, I think it's more about scheduling with her. She's shown that she can play and, and beat some pretty decent players. It's just that consistency. Um, I really like her. I think she's got a lot of tools to be able to beat a lot of different styles. Um, and, you know, she, she was able to you know, albeit very late, she was able to figure out Cereva's Tormo last week, for example, after losing the first set 6-1. So she's she's actively thinking and, and troubleshooting her way out of things. I just think she maybe lacks that power and that kind of, you know, shot that she can finish points off or, you know, attack with quite well.
0: I agree with that. And now on to the last match, the one that we previewed already. All right, gentlemen, Kuzmova is still plus 144 against Zu. What are we going to do? I like Kuzmova.
2: At that price, considering what I said before, when I priced it as near even, it's it's hard to to not take Kuzmova at. You know, I'd probably be more inclined to go the the game handicap, considering you know if she were to serve well, and Zoo can be a little bit erratic across the best of the three. Um, but again, you you're not. The recent form isn't filling you with a lot of confidence, is it? Now, when I look at the
0: handicap, it looks like the spread here is three games. So, spread, what do you think? Should we go plus three, or are we taking Kuzmova? I'd say we just take the plus money. I think so, too. I'm, I'm ready for Kuzmova plus 144. What do you think, spread? Yep, let's do it. All right, let's hit Kuzmova plus 144. And then the other match again, Kuznetsova, I'm seeing plus 106. You ready to go down on that? Yes. All right. Let's go one unit on Kuzmova and one unit on Kuznetsova. We've got double Kuzova spread. (laughs) That's never a bad place to be. All right, let's jump into the next tournament, which is the first year, apparently... Thank you, Steve, for letting us know about this, but apparently the women are playing in Adelaide. This is the replacement for the tournament in Sydney. Petra Kvitova beat Ashley Barty last year. Angelique Kerber beat Barty the year before. And then Kanta, Svetlana Kuznetsova, Kvitova again in 2015. Now, when we take a look at the draw this year, we'll start in the top half. Again, we'll go top and bottom. Ashley Barty, the one seed again this week with a bye. Annette Contevade in the top half. Sloane Stephens, Angelique Kerber, Marquette v- Vondrusova playing tennis for the first time since, I think, the French Open last year. Belinda Bencic, Julia Gorgas, Danielle Collins, Sophia Kennan. Um, what a fun top half that is spread. What do you see? Okay, so first of all, I think this is much
1: harder because I think that uh, we definitely have some players here that are not too worried about the points and winning the whole tournament, and that will be quite content um, to play a couple good matches, get some time on court, um, just adjust to the time change, the temperature, and, you know, not really be too worried if, if they lose the matches. So, I think this is a very tough tournament to handicap, but um we got some great names and some great first round matches here a couple ones that that step out jump out to me um kerber i think that she could maybe use um a a deep run here because she was kind of struggling um with some inconsistent form last year and you know i always am a big fan of gorgas and i think that uh with her playing style that she could advance here um pretty well and of course you would be uh quite remiss if you if you were not to if you were to discount the the chances of Ash Barty so while this is um Ash Barty's uh half to lose I do think that um Kerber and Gorgas might present some value
0: this is a tough top half there's a lot of really big names here I think this is quite a slugfest as I start to look from an odds perspective the names that stuck out to me if it canon i think she has a nice draw but a nine to one i don't know if i'm really interested in there and then kerber was another name that, that kind of stuck out we're waiting for her to get back to the form that we know and at let me see kerber right now is 16 to one that's kind of interesting but steve what do you think of the top half of this draw
2: uh it's a bit of an interesting one because there are as you said there are a lot of big hitters there and it's going to be hot the first couple of days as well so a lot of the Adelaide weather is kind of the weather that Melbourne gets about 24 hours later so it is kind of similar conditions to what you'll see at the um, the Australian Open um, I actually quite liked what I saw from Kennan in Brisbane um, she she did look pretty solid and I think she's kind of in that level where she's probably still trying to figure things out and, and probably still going to be going close to 100% here compared to maybe some of the others that might have you know having had grand slam success or you know the success to go deep are kind of thinking a little bit more about next week it is a very stacked section and I think you know if looking at the last couple of grand slams I feel like if this wasn't in Australia I don't think Barty would be playing this week I just you know I think she's pulled out of a couple of the the tournaments before Grand Slams recently, and I just think that she's probably, she needs to play here, I think in front of the home crowd, um, but I just don't know, you know, from what I saw in Brisbane, that price isn't something that particularly excites me, um, so I'd either be looking at maybe someone in that, that kind of second section there, and I guess the the appeal is probably, yeah, maybe a Kennan or a Benchich, but Kennan is just that little bit short, isn't she? Considering considering uh, what she needs to beat,
0: fantastic.
2: And you know, I guess it is is that price on. You know, Benchich has accepted a wild card here, so she's made the decision. I think with um, Shenzhen not particularly going to plan, that she wants to spend some more time on court. So, you know, do we look down? She's she's going to. You know, be avoiding the likes of a Barty or a Kerber until the semi final. You know, is is she maybe one to look at from the top section?
0: We've got benches at 12-1, to but I think I echo kind of what you said there. Barty, I think, takes this tournament seriously, and it's tough to pick anybody else. Spread? Are you actually betting any outrights in this top half? The
1: Kerber one, honestly, is is quite tempting. You know, uh, when Jorge's on, one of the things we like to do is kind of tier the players. And um, I think that she's got the same chance as Kennan, and you're getting um, close to twice the odds i'll be looking into that let's not make it official go ahead and think about it a little more um and this actually uh listening to steve talk uh made me want to ask him a question so usually when we're doing these pods um we're pretty quick to dismiss the chalk uh with no value such as um for example if i'm just picking the winner for my little bracket you know i got no problem having Barty advancing and winning the tournament um in fact in my bracket that i filled out i have her winning the tournament Um, but I'm not really eager to layer at that short price. Do you, do you agree that that's kind of correct? Or do you think that we're missing values by almost ignoring, um, the favorites in these tournaments?
2: I think that's correct, particularly in that week before a grand slam. I mean, you know, if we're talking like, if this was, if you looked at this draw for, you know, an Indian Wells or a Miami or something, you'd probably be maybe a little bit more inclined to go at Barty, but I think in this instance what I would probably do is, is pick a player maybe in that second quarter and look to to maybe take them and perhaps, you know, if they were to meet Barty in a semi-final look at maybe some options of getting out of that a little bit or trying to secure a bit of profit. Um, I guess one that I want to ask you guys based on your comments on her last week is Danielle Collins is sitting there unseated. Um, you know and she will start with a qualifier by the looks of it i think spread you said you hadn't heard what collins has really had to say about how she's feeling i know when she won against putin saver because i backed putin saver and had to listen to collins talk <laughs> after the game um she said it was actually the best she's felt in over 12 months at the moment mm-hmm. so yeah. she she doesn't mind the heat because it's similar to where she where she's from um but that was interesting that she said over 12 months considering it's been just 12 months and she was in a semi at the Australian Open. Yeah. That
1: is good information. Yeah, thank you. And you know what? When I was filling out the draw, um, don't know who the qualifiers are going to be, but that is quite a tasty match if we were to get Collins versus Cannon in the second round.
2: And I think that's the thing that, you know, you, you kind of have to play the game a little bit with Collins, but if you can get a you know, she, she's going, the match is going to be on her racket, you know, 80% of the time in a lot of these instances that, you know, she might be able to put a cannon off with kind of how she imposes herself on the court, if she can get off to a good start. So, you know, I think she's sitting kind of in the thirties or so in the outrights, but, you know, I have to do a little bit more digging. I'd like to see where the qualifiers kind of end up before going any further, but it's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, in her form, if she continue to play tennis like those first couple matches, it makes a lot of sense. But it is a tough draw. I have to go through Kennan, possibly Gorgas or Benchich, and then probably Barty or Kerber. It's just a really, really tough path. But let me see what we've got for odds right now on Collins. Looking at bookmaker, I see her at thirty-three to one. What do you think, Steve? Is that does that seem enticing?
2: Um, it's a tricky one. It's probably one of those ones where if you can kind of get get a, a decent number like that and maybe look to to get out in maybe the quarterfinal or the semi-final in some capacity, um, you know looking at when you compare the quality of the qualifiers into this draw compared to Hobart, I don't think the quality is quite there um, and just looking through, I, you know they're, they're all quite they're, they're all kind of smaller players. You got Putinsev, Stasnovich, Kazakina, Rodionova. They're all, I guess, players that will Collins will be able to dictate. Um, but I guess that's the same for Kennan as well. So it's an interesting one. But I guess the the thing that that stands out to me in this particular section is that that Bencic taking the wild card and wanting to wanting to play this week. All
0: right, let's jump into the bottom half. We've got Kiki Burton's. Zachary, Sevastova, Vekic, Stremska, Wang Jian, Kavita, Sabalenka, Shea, Strytseva, Tomljanovic, and Halep. An absolutely loaded bottom half of the draw spread. What do you think? I mean, it just, it
1: just shows off the depth of the WTA. Now, the first round matches that we're getting here, um, I think everyone, I mean, the ones that, unless they have a qualifier, I think they're all interesting. Uh, in in some level or some capacity where, you know, I can find a reason why I want to sit down and and take a look at this match and and be be curious about the results. So uh, it's it's a really great tournament. As far as picking an outright, you know, I went with Petra last week. Um, She played great, but accumulating a lot of tennis that last week. I don't know how motivated she will be um, to continue along. Sabalenka is one that I think will be motivated Um, but how well she deals with the heat and she's got a, a pretty tough, uh, draw, I think. Um, and the nether name that stuck out to me is Simona Halep. I know it's kind of chalky, but, um, you know, I really think that she could do well here and she kind of, uh, has a nice draw for her, um, because she can be the defensive player and, and and it kind of plays to her strengths until maybe even the semis. So. Um, I know the Simona price is too short, but but that would be the name that I'd be looking at. That is the
0: name, I think, to look at here. Steve, what do you think?
2: I think I agree with that. I think it's... um, You know, I, I actually, when they played in Sydney last year, thought that Kvitova wouldn't want to play a full week, but she obviously then made it to the final in Sydney and then made it to the final of the Australian Open. So I think her... Her motivation level should be okay there, especially as she didn't make the um the final in Brisbane. I think Halep Halep will want to play well this week. It's um it's her coach Darren Cahill's hometown, um and I think she's been there for quite a while preparing for the tournament. Um, but again, you know I think she's got a pretty favorable little quarter there, but you know that 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 third quarter there with you know Burton's. Bekic, Jastrzemska, Kvitova, you know, they all have the ability to hit Halep off the court if they play at their best. Um, I think it's going to be a tough one, and i would probably almost play this half in a similar way, in terms of kind of avoiding Halep, potentially, by by playing someone in that third quarter, as there's no one else that's really appealing to me just looking at the, the prices at the moment. Um... I wanted to see a bit more from Vekic in Brisbane, but she wasn't. It wasn't the best I've ever seen her play. Sakari versus Burtons is a fascinating one, especially because Burtons is still in Brisbane, having just lost the doubles final. And Sakari was actually quite impressive against Asaka. She was up a break in the third set and was playing really well. Um, so that could open things up a little bit for her if she can can get off to a good start there. Um, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting field this one.
0: So, it seems like the only thing from an outright perspective spread we've thought about is Kerber at 16 to 1. The rest of it seems kind of like a mess. What do you think? Are we putting down some uh, some money on Kerber?
1: I mean, since this is an outright pod and we need to. What was the Simona? Um, what was the Simona price again? Plus five fifty. I think I'd actually, I think I prefer the Simona price. I don't think I can support that.
0: Okay. All right. Well, you go going to bet it anyway. Um, you don't have yes. to are you sure just put me down for a half unit put all me down right. for a half unit half unit for spread on Hallett, but I think yeah. that's just about all we're going to get Steve did you have any outright prices you liked
2: Um, obviously yeah Bardi and Hallett are quite short I mean you didn't talk about Sabalenka very much did you
0: uh, I tried to avoid that <laughs> frankly at plus 650 the price isn't very good I liked your point earlier about her hopefully being focused on the Australian Open she does have a great draw, but she's probably going to have to beat Hallop and then Kvitova, So I'm fine on passing on again a plus six fifty.
2: Yeah, I, I think she's she'll actually get a quite a, a nice start into the tournament because um, Say and Stritzova are both still in Brisbane as well because um, I think they were the ones that beat Barty and and Burton's today. Um, yeah,
1: they
2: they're a great team. Yeah, they but I you know, it's tough. You just need to figure out which one in that third quarter is going to, you know, play some really top-level tennis. And if, you know, a Yastremska gets a favorable first round, she could really build her form. And, you know, we saw what she did to Pliskova and a couple of others late last year, that she could get on a bit of a run here.
0: All right, before we jump into some first-round matchups, congratulations to Serena Williams, her first title apparently in three years, gentlemen. I didn't realize it would have been that long. Hmm. That's according to the WTA account spread. Was that surprising to you too? I didn't realize. It's been no, three years. No, because she
1: remembered she had been struggling with all the finals. And um, <laughs> I mean, she had so many withdrawals as well. A lot of times in those other tournaments that weren't Grand Slams, she wasn't getting beaten. She was she was withdrawing from the tournament. So, um, yeah, I mean, her
2: first title was a mother. Oh, wow. That's a
1: good point. I didn't think of that from that perspective. Well, it's disappointing that I didn't remember
2: that. I don't know if you heard she had a child. I I, I had heard that. It's it's (laughs) something that comes
0: up from time to time. I I can't wait to go back and listen to the press conference. Ga, I wonder if she talked about it. All right. First round matchups. Kiki Burton's minus 152 against Zachary plus 123. That actually looks kind of a short price on Burton's, but in general, fade me when it comes to Kiki Burton's folks. So, I'm going to pass the torch. spread. What do you think?
1: I actually think that Kiki Burton's is playing pretty well, and if it wasn't for the fatigue and the fact that she was still playing, I would be looking to um, back her um, with this little draw, but because of the fatigue, I'm going to stay away. What do you think, Steve?
2: Yeah, I think i tend to agree with that. Monday and Tuesday are both going to be hot. Um, you know, Zachary's looking like she, like I said, she looked pretty solid and she doesn't seem to man, um, sorry, she seems to handle the heat relatively well. It's going to be a tricky one for for Kiki first up off a a long week in Brisbane. Um, You know, I think it might be a close game and you know, it almost look at maybe even an over there. Over's
0: a great look here. Yeah, I I
2: think Kiki. I'm sure they'll
0: hang a, if they hang a 21 or less, hit that over.
2: Yeah, I I think um, Kiki will be able to play well for periods. It's just about how long she can sustain it against a player like, um, Zachary. And looking at the moment, it looks like it's sitting at 21 and a half at the moment. Yeah.
1: And, and would you agree with me that this is a tournament that we can say that Kiki probably isn't going to prioritize and she's not going to be too down on herself if she's not able to advance very far this week.
2: I think if there was I would one...
0: expect motivation to be low.
2: Yeah. I, I think if there was one knock on her in 2019, it was the fact that she kind of went to smaller tournaments and tried to take advantage. But I think this year she needs to take that next step. Um, you know, she she talked about um, she talked in Brisbane about how positive her two thousand and nineteen was, and I think she finished it with I think she got married at the end of last year as well, and seemed quite comfortable and had put together a, a solid training block instead of going on honeymoon. So she um, she's obviously keen to get the year off to a good start. But I guess it's that you know if I'm I'm assuming this match will be scheduled for Tuesday, or Monday your time. Um, but if it's, if it's tomorrow then I'd be going heavily towards um, Maria
0: Alright, Gorgas minus 435 against Priscilla Han plus 321 Steve, does Han have a chance to shock the world?
2: Um Does she have a chance to shock the world? I I think it's a big price You um, took
0: that so casually I mean, shock the world
2: well t- to, be, to be fair, is beating is beating the world number forty one shocking the world?
0: I mean I guess at plus three twenty one it might be, it's like twenty percent probability.
2: True. Um
0: twenty five percent I guess.
2: Julia wasn't fantastic in Auckland. I I think we could probably safe to say. I mean, losing six one, six four to Wozniaki, had had I told you that before Auckland, what would you have thought about that?
0: God, I don't even know. I was, I was disappointed in her performance in Auckland. I guess, and I guess at the end of the day, she ran into Wozniacki. I thought that she might lose that match, but I didn't think she would lose it the way she did. Yeah.
1: I thought Carol played really well. I didn't really downgrade my view of Gorgas that much. I I thought that that was really just uh, uh, showed how well that Carol can still play uh, when she's feeling healthy.
2: Yeah, I, I think Hon is another one who just doesn't quite have that punch on her serve um, that we see from others. I mean, she took a set off Madison Keys at Roland Garros last year. Um, I think she made the quarterfinals in Seoul to finish the year and just kind of ran out of legs a little bit um, late in the year. Um, I think she's consistent and she, you know, she took Tom Janovich to a third set um, in Brisbane. You know, it's... I wouldn't be taking... Um, Julia at that price to be honest but I, I just don't know if there's enough there in Hon's price to you know as you say shock the world with her um, yeah it's a it's a funny one it's probably priced about right I think Hon could could frustrate her for periods but it's just about whether she can do it over best of three sets
0: Cur- spread Kerber's only minus 133 against Sloane Stevens what do you think hitting it for sure Steve, what do you think about that price? Stevens plus
2: one ten. Um, based on, I guess based on Brisbane, she didn't look fantastic against Samsonova. Um, I got to watch her live there, and she just faded in and out of the match too much. Um, it's funny if you if you get a minute to, to have a look at the um, Adelaide Tennis Twitter page. I think it was Kerber, Stevens, and Vekic had to do a um promotional visit to one of the um wineries in Adelaide and they all had to cheers cheers each other and Vekic said cheers and good luck for the first round not realising that the two people she was with were playing each other
0: um, I saw that, that was pretty funny
2: <laughs> but
0: I, I think I think that, that is funny
2: <laughs> I think Steven's probably, she might it's going to be a good chance for her to see where her form stacks up, I think because Kerber doesn't have that powerful serve that can bail her out like Samson over did in Brisbane, it gives her a chance to get into the rally a little bit more and see if she can find some rhythm. But that being said, I, I don't really want to support her. I, I think it's more going to be a bit of a watch and wait and see how she goes because, you know, Kerber's a, a brick wall and won't be letting too much through. Spread, I'm in. Let's go
0: unit on Kerber.
2: Yeah, and just
1: uh, for the reasoning why for the listeners, I'm sure that you, you gentlemen both know, but I, I think that Sloan is a player that definitely is not too worried Um, about smaller tournaments, I think that she um, kind of sets her schedule and sets, you know, kind of her, you know, the way that she allows losses to to dictate her emotionally off big tournaments. I don't think that she'll be bothered at all by another poor showing here. I think that she'll pretty much um, grade her whole run this time off how she does um, next week in the Australian. So I think we could take advantage
0: of that here in this spot right here. Contivate, minus 189. Pavlyu Chekova plus 152 spread. What do you think? Boy, aren't these two of my favorite uh, women that I love to back?
1: I know. Um, this is tough. And so I want to go uh, straight to Steve because me and you have discussed Contivate so many times. I'd like to hear uh, hear his opinion on her game.
2: I think she is maximizing her talent given how she manages kind of those tight situations. I think if she goes, you know, goes back through twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen, there'd be a handful of games that she she really should have won and probably didn't perform to a high standard late in the match. Um, that comes a bit with her style; she hits it very flat, and you know, there's not a lot of margin for error there. Um, I mean, she should have, you know, that last couple of games against Burtons in Brisbane was not fantastic. Um, but you know, she's it's, again, it's not, it's not the biggest tournament, and it's probably something that she, she should be performing better in. I think it's a good opponent for her to start. Um, but yeah, it's one of those ones that as the week kind of unfolds, you just get a little bit worried. I mean, she won 27% of points on her second serve against Burtons in Brisbane, um, and 28% in the first round against um Su Wei. So, you know, it's a it's a tricky one to gauge, but she's she's a deserving favorite in this one based on Pavlyuchenkova's second and third set against Kvitova.
0: What do you think, spread?
1: Uh, I like Kondivay here, but the price is uh, way too high for us to want to take it. If you're actually looking from a betting perspective, I think it would be the dog or pass, but I'm not too interested in bavi- uh, backing Pavlyuchenkova. I don't know if this is the best uh, style matchup for her, so complete pass on this match.
0: I agree. I, I think based on the pricing, you got to take a step forward here. Sabalenka minus 294 against Shea, plus 231. Um, makes sense to me. If Sabalenka's playing her best, she should take care of Shea.
2: What do you think, Steve? I think she should. It's on her racket. Um, this is probably one of those games that I might you know, try and find some popcorn for, just because of the variety between the two of them. I mean, you know, Su Wei leads... The head-to-head to Zip, but, you know, they're on clay and grass, and it, you know, ultimately is going to come down to how well Sabalenka strikes the ball, because, you know, there's going to be a lot of variety coming from the other end of the court, so Sabalenka is going to have to generate a lot of pace consistently, um, so it'll be interesting. What do you, what do you, th- you guys think? What do you, what do you think, spread? I,
1: I you know it's funny when you say if if we say this a lot if Sabalanker plays plays her best she should roll right uh, but how often does she really pay, play her best I would say less than fifty percent of the time which makes her an interesting player to handicap I definitely think Shea has the variety um, to frustrate her and I think that um, you know to to watch from a tape study perspective what we'll see is I want to see how well she deals um, with the variety and I think that she, at some point. Um, Shay will be able to frustrate her and how she responds to it. I am going to be really um, excited to see that. It's kind of an indicator of how, how much I want to back her going into the Australian open. So I think this is going to be a great match for tape study, not too interested in betting it. Like you said, if Sabalenka plays her best, um, she should roll, but, but, but what do we have to indicate, you know, like where will we gain our edge um, for us to indicate whether or not she would play her best. So, Um, Definitely going to stay away, but I think this is going to be a great uh, predictive indicator of her success for the upcoming Fortnite.
0: Love what you said, Spread. That's a great tape study. Go ahead, Steve.
2: I think it's worth looking as well. I mean, the last time Sabalenka played against a a player who really doesn't generate a lot of pace themselves was Kazakhina in Beijing, and she actually lost that match in straight sets. Um, So she can find it a little bit more difficult when she's not getting all that pace onto the ball consistently. But you know it's it's going to be a tricky one it's you know if she serves well um she should be able to attack most return games but you know she's very short
0: all right next up we've got Sevastova at Vekic this should be a lot of fun I think this is a great over spot this is a great over two and a half set spot Vekic minus 114 Sevastova minus 106 what do you see here spread
1: uh, it's almost like the mat- last match we handicapped, right? We have a player with a ton of variety um, going against a hitter, um, and I think that it's probably, you know, not as much variety and not as much of a hitter. But it's still um, very similar stylistically, um, like almost like you say with uh, Sabalenka. If Ekic plays her best, she should win. Um, but if she's anything less than her best, I think Sevastova has the. Um, craftiness and and just the mental toughness even though we talk about her crying um, she she does fight through it a lot um, and I think that I don't see anything that for me to indicate that we will get the best of Vekic and I'm interested in backing Sevastova here what do you think Steve
2: Yeah I think it's a it's a tricky one and I know you know having listened to this podcast in the past I won't harp on too much about head to head um, but I think um,
0: it's okay. Horace's not here. You yeah. can talk yeah. about head to
2: head. I love head to head. Um, was five zip over the last couple of years against Vekic. Um, Ooh. it's it's a tricky one because neither of them have fantastic form coming in. Um, so it is hard to gauge that a little bit. I do think Vekic Vick, has a higher ceiling in terms of what she can provide, and I think she, you know she should be winning this um but you know we've got two players here that are both going to be seated in Melbourne in a week's time it's um it's going to be interesting to see how they how they match up and this one unfolds but i think this might just be a bit of a watch and wait
0: i think so this will be a lot of fun to watch you're right 5 and 0 for sevastova beat her in beijing in 2018 us open in 2018 doha in 2018 us open in 2017 and some tournament's name that I can't pronounce in 2016. 2016. KU, K- T- K- T- T- K- T- T- There we go. Wow. Thank you. That was good. I would never in a million years have picked that out. All right. Last match. We've got. Well, on
1: our spreadsheet, put me down for a Sebastava play there, please. All
0: right. I'll put you down for a Sebastava there. I'm going to think about that a little bit. I might even take credit for that, but we'll see. 114. I don't know. 106. <laughs> Sevastava. She's 5 0 oh, head to head. Uh, I, you know, alright, come on, let's do it, spread one unit, let's go I'm, I'm with you on that all one, right. let's go Sevastava at minus Excellent. 106 alright, last match on the board here, gentlemen uh, Wang Jiang plus 204 against Petra Kavitova, minus 256 spread, what do you think? these are two of
1: my favorite players why are they playing in the first round?
0: because life's hard and then <laughs> you die what do you think, Steve? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, tricky really tricky matchup um, it's going to be hot as well. I think um, Kvitova did really well to avoid the heat and humidity for a lot of her matches in Brisbane. Um, but then, you know, we've got an opponent coming from Shenzhen as well. So it's it's hard to kind of gauge. I think the odds probably look about right for the week before a, um, a, you know, a, a, a huge tournament. I think it's going to be um, a tricky one. I just think Petra... If she wants to win it, that's that's hers. You know, she she was striking it quite well early in the um early in the week in Brisbane, but I just you know that's again she made me look silly this time last year when she won Sydney, but it's I'd be surprised if she wanted two long weeks in the lead up to um to Melbourne.
0: All right, spread anything else to add here before we do a quick recap.
1: Um. For this tournament, no, but I do have a couple more that I'd like to talk about
0: after the recap. All right, let's go through all our picks so far, and then we'll give spread one last chance to pepper Steve with any questions. Um, yep. Now, I know we went with bookmaker odds while we were going during our discussion, but I happen to pull up Bovada, and we got some much better odds on Hobart here. So we're going to go with the Bovada Ed spread. Um, okay. We're going to go half a unit on Buskova at 25 to 1. We're going to go half a unit on Kuder Matova at 16 to 1. And we're going to go half a unit on Rebecca Peterson at 20-1 to to win Hobart. Um, We're also going to, in the individual matches there, one unit on Kuzmova plus 144, one unit on Kuznetsova plus 106. Spread, you're going to take Kerber at half a unit at 16-1 to in Adelaide. And in individual matches, we're going to put a unit on Kerber at minus 133 and a unit on Sevastova at minus 106. All right, that wraps No, up. I
1: went with Halep. I went with Halep instead of Kirby. Oh,
0: did you? I'm sorry. Halep, yeah. let me just double-check the odds we've got on Halep there. Uh, let's see. Plus I'm seeing plus 550 there. Let me see if I get you better odds at Bovada. I actually don't see odds for that on Bovada yet, just the other tournament. So we'll go with plus 550. Excuse me there. Are you going to go half a unit, full unit? What do you think? Well, I'll go full unit. I'm pretty confident Simona. All right, so you're going to go a full unit spread on Halop But that just about wraps up everything we've got here. Now, spread one last chance. Any questions for All Steve? Right.
1: Well, yeah, no, first thing I want to say, Steve, is so happy to have you on. I gleaned so much information from your previews. Um, that I use in, in my handicapping myself, maybe things that you've seen that I wasn't able to see or things that I had not seen that I'm looking for when I'm watching the matches. So uh, thanks so much for coming on. And my final question is going to be, if you've listened, you know that I have um, two cute kittens that I love very much, named after Elena uh, Ostapenko and yes, Daria Kasatkina. Yes, the people want. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to know what your outlook for both those players' year would be.
2: Uh, I'm glad we're finishing off with an easy question. Um, I
1: how's that gonna
2: go? Yeah, I as as erratic as she can be. I actually really enjoy watching Ostapenko play. I think she, I hope she can reach the heights that she was able to reach so early on. Um, You know, this is easy to say. You know, sitting at home that. It's almost like that French Open title has made life very difficult for her. I mean, it's it's an easy difficult in terms of... I'm sure she's doing okay for herself. But it's just put all the attention onto her from basically every opponent. You know, they, they know what to expect from her and they know how to kind of break her down a little bit. D- I mean, with both of them, so with, with your cats, so are either of their middle names Double Fault? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but they both uh,
2: don't like hitting in their second Thursday. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Kazakina, I mean, I, I will admit, I probably haven't read up on what she's done the last couple of months. Has she got a coach yet? Is she still kind of gallivanting no, around with her brother? I uh, She, the, the potential's there. I think you look at them, you know, I, I think Ostapenko's got more ability to attack and, you know, if everything clicks. I mean, we saw her... Beat Plishkova late last year. And when when she's on, it's incredible to watch. But it's just not on enough. And it's not on consistently across a week to be able to to deliver what she wants to deliver. And I think that frustrates her a bit. Kazit uh, Where do I begin? You almost need a whole podcast for these questions. Um,
1: <laughs> we'll have to have you on again
2: then. Um, We've got time. <laughs> she... Again, she burst onto the scene so early and you know, you look at some of those tournaments where she went quite deep. She's She's got the, um, she's got the ability and in a way she's almost a little bit like um, Nick Kyrgios from a men's perspective. And I think it's something that I've started to kind of think over the last 12 months in particular is you, you look at some players and you can't help but get frustrated by how they're performing because we know at home and we know having watched them quite a bit that they're not playing to their level um i think kazakina doesn't quite in a similar way to Kyrios it's it's tennis isn't everything for her i don't think it's that she doesn't have that drive to perform at the highest level week in week out and i think that's evident by the fact she doesn't have a coach um i think that there are steps to be made there, but I think it's also acknowledging as with Kyrgios is that, you know, we can get frustrated, but I think, you know, they obviously seem quite content with what they're doing and how their life's unfolding. And, you know, I'm sure in their level, they're making some pretty good money and they're, you know, they're, they're traveling around the world and, you know, tennis may not be everything for them. Um, but she's definitely got the ability to match it with the best when she switched on from that first point And when that second serve goes over the net and lands in the service box her uh her (laughs) chance of winning points improves significantly
0: (laughs) all right spread remembering that we're just about four minutes short of two hours here yeah any other questions for steve no no this is so much fun thank you so much for coming on
2: no worries i've got i've got one question for you this is is i like that so this is between the two of you guys so following on from the uh the little charity competition we've got going on at the moment. If I were to give the two of you you can either do $50 on one outright for the week or $25 at each tournament with all so the the stake and the winnings going into the uh into the kitty for the charity. Who are you picking?
0: That's a great question. If I'm taking Simona's perspective, I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> you win. <Wow. laughs> Let me just look through here real quick. You know what? Give me um. You can
2: uh, you, you know can know get what? back to me I on, $50 on Twitter.
0: Dollars on Kudryavtseva. I feel really good about Kudryavtseva's chances. I know Buzkova's gonna win this match now, but uh, it comes down to that for me. Whoever wins that match in Hobart, and I really like Kudryavtseva's chances. Alrighty. All right, gentlemen. If you change your All mind, right, let me know
2: on Twitter before a, a couple of hours' time.
0: All right. I don't think I am going to change my mind. I'm feeling pretty good about that. What do you think, spread? Yeah, no,
1: I have no problem. Um, you know, if, if there's something especially like this uh, for charity and there's someone that you want playing for you, I mean, I uh, definitely want a fighter like Simona going for me. And, uh, you know, I think that she's definitely going to be motivated to do well this week. So, yeah, uh, uh, I'm pretty happy with my choice.
2: All
0: Thank, Perfect. thank, thank you, you, gentlemen. That thank was a lot of fun. We really appreciate that. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate all your input and your questions. Please reach out to us at Net Worth Pod on Twitter. Be sure to follow Ace at Ace underscore previews for all the stuff. He's been doing a great job of putting out some free content. He's been putting out all this ridiculous information that he should be sharing with you guys about travel schedules and fatigue and, and really important handicapping stuff. So be sure to follow him in the hopes that he'll continue to put that stuff out. I'm sure he will. And we really appreciate you listening. We'd love um, a review, a rating on whatever app you're using. And have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers.